Hi, it's Twitter question time. Uh, let me know, leave it down in the comments down below if you want me to do more of these. I do, of course. Um, <laughs> follow me on Twitter, none of that X rubbish. Follow me on Twitter and uh, you can ask me questions anytime and I'm always answering uh, questions there. But I thought this one might just make an interesting video. I, just, I have covered it in bits and pieces in uh, previous videos, but we'll go into it a little bit more here. It's a simple question. Abinav, sorry I'm butchering that pronunciation, I'm uh, sure, but he asks, uh, he's designing a PCB trace for a 70 to 80 amps, so you know, a substantial amount of current. How should I design the trace from the connectors to a MOSFET uh, device for this current rating? Is it possible to use only one layer? And it's a through-hole uh, device, so we won't get, go into like the routing and all that. So is it possible using only one layer? So I presume that he's asking that because, well, he's got other routing uh, constraints and doesn't want to chew up the bottom or internal uh, planes, assuming it's even a multi-layer board. It might just be a double-sided, don't know, because it is a through-hole uh, device. So it could only be a double-sided board, but you know, you don't know. Anyway, the first thing you want to do is you want to, um, basically when you pass current through any uh, conductor, of course, copper is uh, on the PCB is a conductor. And of course, Ohm's law, if you've got resistance at a certain current, it's going to drop uh, voltage using uh, Ohm's law, so that could be a problem, but we won't go into the design aspects of like the voltage drop and things like that, but that is one of the things that you have to consider in the design. But also uh, the power dissipation is going to heat up I squared R losses. Um, I, you know, the current squared times the resistance of uh, the trace. And you, you can have a big giant plane, it's still going to have resistance on it, and you have to sort of like take that into account. One of the things you really need to do uh, with with this is like there's a few rule of thumb things and you can have little you know simple charts and stuff like that which give you a rough uh, trace diameter for a certain current and stuff like that but there's much more engineering and science actually behind it so you really need at, at a minimum you need a uh, PCB trace calculator and uh, the one I use here I'll show you it's a uh, satin PCB design you've it's free you can just download it I'll leave a link uh, down below and it's got all sorts of stuff like it, it's got tons of stuff I won't go into all the stuff it's got but one of the things it does is it's got conductor properties here so we can put in the various parameters uh, up here and then it will give us the conductor DC resistance how much resistance that trace has got so we can use Ohm's law you know, we can calculate the uh, voltage well no it already calculates the voltage drop for us there it is um, and uh, the maximum conductor current that it's capable of but there's a lot of stuff that goes into this, so let's have a look. There are three major things that dictate how much maximum current a particular PCB trace can handle. One, of course, is the diameter of the trace. Now, obviously, if you've got a little tiny thin, you know, 10,000 trace, eh, it's not going to uh, carry much current at all. So the thicker, the wider trace you make it, the more current, because it's going to lower the resistance, it's going to have le less I squared R losses, it's, gonna, it's not going to heat up uh, as much. So that's the first thing. But not all copper's the same. So the second thing is the thickness of the copper, because PCB comes in different copper thicknesses, and none of this uh, metric rubbish, we want imperial for this, um, <laughs> because we work in imperial. And when you order your uh, PCB for manufacture, you should be specifying the copper thickness of every layer in your PCB stack up. And I've done videos on stack up in, you know, not specifically on that, but you've covered it in previous videos. But basically every piece of copper 
in your, you know, if it's an eight layer board, you've got eight layers of copper in there and you can individually specify the thickness of each layer of the copper in your PCB stack up, it's called. So if you've got, uh, a, if you want to run a like real heavy current on one particular plane or one particular uh, layer of your board, then you can specify, okay, I want much thicker copper on that uh, layer and the manufacturer will do that for you. And if you don't specify any of this, they'll just give you this standard stack up, which might be uh, one ounce copper is, which is 35 micron uh, thickness. You can change it over to metric, there it is there. Um, one ounce copper is your standard thickness, but if you've got a multi-layer board, they'll often use half ounce thick or maybe even quarter ounce thick copper on those inner layers. So. If you don't specify it, the manufacturer is just potluck what you actually get. You won't get more than one ounce because, you know, copper's expensive, right? And uh, they want to keep the cost low. So you stand aboard, you won't get any more thickness than one ounce uh, copper. Uh, on your on any of the layers on your board, um, if unless you specifically ask for it, then you might jump up to. Usually, you jump up to two ounce uh, for that, so it's twice as thick. Um, so it's going to be lower resistance. And you know, like once you get to like four, five, something like that, that's really thick as right, really thick and expensive copper. And you do that for like really exotic, um, you know, applications. If you want really high current board, but it's got to be really dense, uh, for example, and you can't make your trace really thick because you got. Really Real tight routing in there and stuff like that you might have to go to four or five ounce copper or you could even get an exotic one even thicker than that and the third parameter which is not as important but it matters um, is whether or not the copper's on the top uh, ex external layer of the PCB so the top of the bottom or whether it's in the internal layers of the PCB because they'll have different thermal properties because if your conductor is dissipating heat and it's wedged in the middle of the sandwiched in the middle of the board like this fiberglass is a pretty good insulator later right so it, the heat can't get out so the temperature uh will write like it'll that heat will get trapped it can't escape so it'll get hotter which will increase its resistance and right well it doesn't run away but right it's it's going to get higher resistance the hotter it gets whereas the outer layers they're going to cool more easily and um also the solder mask over the traces can make a difference as well if you've got solder mask over there that's an insulative insulative layer on your copper so that can matter um, as well but generally you know unless you're really getting down to the nuts and bolts of it yeah you know there's only two major ones the thickness of the copper thickness of the copper and the width of the copper but the layer stack matters too but it's not like a copper trace just suddenly bursts open and catches on fire or breaks, you know, because you can actually use a PCB as a uh, fuse, a PCB trace as a fuse. And there's a bit of art and science that uh, goes into that. I might have even covered that in a video somewhere. Can't really remember. It doesn't just suddenly magically stop carrying current. It just gets hotter and hotter and it might delaminate from the board. It might, you know, it glows red hot or whatever, right? So it's all about the temperature rise that you're willing to tolerate in your design. Now you can see here, this is one of the parameters, 20 degrees C temperature rise. Me personally, I prefer to put a 10 degrees C temperature rise if I'm doing these calculations, but there's no reason for that. It's just my own personal rule of thumb um, for a 10 degree C uh, temperature rise. And then there's ambient temperature as well if you wanna get really fancy pantsy, okay? So let's actually start using this um, to do a basic thing. Let's say we've got standard one ounce copper here, okay? And we've got no plating, okay? The plating is another thing that matters. It's not only the solder mask over the top uh, that can impact, but most boards are usually solder mask 
over bare copper or SMOBC. So you can just say bare PCB like that, okay? And we're gonna use external layer. So we've got an external PCB layer here and uh, we've got a bare PCB, which will have the uh, solder mask over the top. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether it has the solder mask. In fact, they don't even have the solder mask in this calculation, but technically can make a little teensy bit of difference. So one ounce copper and 10 mils is ridiculous, right? So let's go for 100 thou, right? 100 thou trace, 100 mil trace. Not that millimeter rubbish. And the conductor length here, um, we don't know. So it depends on your particular layouts. So the total resistance will depend on the conductor length, uh, of course. And then uh, that will determine the voltage drop, which you're willing to tolerate, because that might be part of your electrical design rather than the third. You've got two issues here. You've got electrical and thermal um, as well. Well, and you might even have high frequency stuff. That's why they've got like skin depth over here and skin, skin depth uh, percentage. Anyway, we won't, definitely won't go into that. We're talking about like DC current. So 100 mils, plain present. No, parallel conductors doesn't matter uh, for purposes here. Ambient temperature, we're just going to run that. It's an external layer. So let's solve that, okay? There you go. It's five milliohms there for a 100 mil wide trace. And that can do a nominal... 3.28 amps so generally at so if you try to put 3.3 amps through a hundred mil wide conductor and you know, we can convert that to metric for you metric fanboys 2.54 millimeters there you go it's gonna at 3.3 amps it's gonna rise 10 degrees celsius if it's on the outside of your board is that acceptable to you i don't know right so we're talking 80 amps here okay 80 what was it 70 to 80 <laughs> 70 amps, so let's take 80 amps, metric, right? 25 millimeter wide trace, right? A one inch trace. Let's actually solve that. With one ounce copper is only gonna do 12.6 amps. So we're gonna have to, let's double it to two ounce copper. Okay, so twice as thick copper. So we go from 12.67 to 20.9 there. It's not quite doubling. If we go four again, will it get to 40? No, it gets to 34, right? It starts to limit it. So you can see that you've got like really thick copper here for a one inch wide trace, okay? So this is getting quite an issue. So he talks about like putting it on a single layer. You're really starting to push it like four ounce copper. That's pretty specialized. You're gonna, uh, some PCB, cheap PCB houses just won't do that. And you won't get this on your regular, you know, your $5 prototype board, right? <laughs> you're not gonna get that. They might give you half ounce copper and then you're only limited to your eight amps. So really, we need double that. In a 25 millimeter wide trace, like a one inch tra a wide trace, you probably don't wanna make it any wider than that on your PCB, right? That takes up a massive, Massive amount of room. So you might want to actually, uh, you know, put some solder coat over the top of that, right? So you can get a tin plate, uh, for example. So, you know, but unfortunately, right, this plating thickness doesn't actually take into account um, like the tin plate uh, process, that's really hard to control. So if you go, I want, if you go to your PCB manufacturer, I want a tin plate on that, um, please. Then it's, you know, the, the control thickness is meh, it's, I've done a dedicated video on that and how much difference a tin plate actually makes. I've done some practical experiments on that. I'll link it in, but you can't really control that. But you might be able to tell them to actually, you know, plate it a certain thickness or whatever, right? But once again, this is big increase in, co in manufacturing uh, cost. PCB manufacturers will do absolutely anything. You know, the good ones will. They'll bend over backwards. They'll do anything you tell them to do. They'll, they'll charge you for it, okay? So if we did that, 
uh, you know, one ounce uh, plate-in thickness, we're still only at 40 amps, right? We still have to double that. Even go with the, like, we're still not there. So let's just go to a random PCB manufacturer here, and you'll notice that they go from one ounce up to 13 ounce copper. This is insane, but there's trade-offs there with, they actually tell you minimum track uh, space requirements and all that uh, sort of stuff. But uh, they say they can do 13 ounce, and they they can, but generally they're only gonna go up to, I think this manufacturer only says like three ounces, kind of like our standard process. So, you know, anything over that, they're gonna like order the material special, they may not have it in stock, and they're gonna it's gonna cost you an absolute fortune, all that sort of stuff, right? And then you've got the surface finish over here, okay? and generally you're going to get a uh, what's called a hassle right which is a hot air surface level uh, finish so they just put it's basically solder coat um, that's that's basically what it is and then you're familiar with like the gold flash boards the you know the immersion gold and I show on my boards before that uh, have come with immersion uh, silver for example you can get immersion tin and you can get you know th there's all sorts of stuff and you get nickel plated ones and all sorts of stuff right plain copper you generally as I said um, if you want here's an example if you want your traces to be coated with solder coat like this one here, okay, yeah, that can increase uh, your current handling capacity, but it's not really a controlled process. They they can't really, yeah, it might be hot air finished. You might be able to see like, you know, like a few bubbles and stuff in there, right? Right, it's not, it's not really a controlled that controlled a process so you can't really guarantee what your resistance is going to be it's just hot air so it's whatever the process just happens to be but it can increase your current now the way you do that is to remove the solder mask you have to remove the solder mask over that trace otherwise when they do the board you're just going to end up with that uh, bare copper. Because as I said, uh, the uh, copper under here is just bare copper. It's SMOBC, solder mask over bare copper. I'll show you. See, if I scrape away that uh, solder mask there, you can see that it's just bare copper underneath there. So the process that they do happens after they put the solder mask on. So if you want your traces coated like that, um, in whatever, you know, uh, surface finish that you actually uh, choose here, whatever surface finish you choose, if you want that coated, you have to leave the solder mask off. So back at one ounce copper here, like I'm, I'm being tight ass Dave, I'm only allowing for a 10 degrees C temperature rise, right? So if we go to 20 degree rise like that, okay, you go from 12 to 17 amps there, right? And then if you go up to your four ounce thick uh, copper, you know, you, but you're still not getting a huge amount extra there like i'm willing to make it go 50 degrees above ambient so your pcb trace will be at 70 degrees right remember this is temperature rise above the ambient temperature okay solve <laughs> we get to our 80 amps okay so if you want to do this single layer and you're willing to fork out for four ounce copper uh board material and you could maybe get it, it's gonna rise 50 degrees C. But once again, these are uh, actually calculations. There's no, well, there are, there are formulas for this, and this is where it gets it from, but it's based on really empirical uh, data. And this goes on, like it tells you here, this is uh, based on the IPC standard 2152 with modifiers. Um, and you have to go read the IPC standards. There's actually two um, IPC standards that cover this. There's the earlier triple uh, two uh, one standard here, and I, I just Googled the first thing I got was this Altium uh, article here. Anyway, they linked to some calculators. I'm not sure which ones, but uh, yeah, basically, 
basically, uh, there's two different standards that'll cover this same thing. The IP IPC 2021, and they note here that uh, the 2021, that was based on charts in the linked articles. So someone way back in the early days did some charts, like actually old school charts, and they've got them in the standards. You can look it up. They're hand-drawn charts or whatever, or they, you know, these plotted uh, charts. And that's where everyone's gotten sort of this data uh, from back in the old days. But uh, there is another standard, the IPC 5122, which is more accurate. I don't remember the exact details. It's been a long time since I've uh, looked at the uh, standards in this uh, regard. But just realize that the formulas are kind of based on eh, sort of like experimental, um, you know, measured data. So it's a bit how you're doing, but it's the best we got. Now, interestingly, let's see if internal layer actually makes a difference here. And it it doesn't, right? Internal or external layer actually doesn't make a difference here, which is interesting because in practice, it, it kind of sort of does. Although once your board's heated up, the, you know, the, like it depends on your, like your thermal, but the physical uh, part of your design matters. Like if you've got a fan in there and you're blowing over the board, for example, the outer traces, yeah, they can get better um, thermal properties than the inner uh, traces in there, but it's obviously not taken into account in the IPC 22, 2152 standard. And it's going to matter whether or not you actually, whether your trace is uh, adjacent to like a big plane, for example, because you can get conduction between your little trace and the tiny little uh, thin prepreg in there. Um, it's not much different, uh, different distance between thickness between your uh, trace on, say, an inner layer and the uh, prepreg, for example. If you've got it on the outside, it's a bit uh, further apart. And this is why they actually have a plain present thing here, right? So if we click yes here, then this is our current carrying trace. And you can see it's jumped up. It's, it's quite substantial. It's jumped up from 78 amps here for once again, a one inch wide uh, trace for a 50 degree C rise, you know, and, and then it jumps up to 121 amps. And we're not running the current through that plane. It's not going through this big blue copper plane down here. It's purely the proximity. This is why they give you, yeah, here it is, distance to plane, right? 10, 10 mils here. So metric, you know, it's, it's only 0.25 millimeters away. So if we actually go from 0.25 millimeters to one millimeter there, it should, like, it, it goes up a bit, right? Because this is all thermal conduction through to the plane. Even though the current's not running through that plane, simply having the plane present, it's, it's it's more betterer. Anyway, it gets, as you can see, like there's a lot of stuff involved in this if you really wanna go down uh, the rabbit hole. But in an answer um, to the question here, um, is it possible to use only one layer? And the answer is probably no, not really. Um, not unless you use like massive traces and you allowed for, uh, you know, a huge temperature rise and stuff like that. So yeah, you'd be using, a, a, you know, at least two uh, traces, possibly uh, part of your internal uh, plane as well. Um, to get 70, 80 amps is quite uh, substantial. Or you could, uh, as I said, you could like tin plate, you could solder plate the top of those traces and that increases your current handling uh, capability. So, but once again, that's not gonna be factored into this uh, calculator. You can't really calculate that because the thickness of, of the applied solder you know, uh, coating on top is, yeah, it's not really a controlled uh, process. So you go, uh, I want it lower resistance. Let's, you know, I want to carry more current. Eh, I'll just, you know, solder coat it. So you'll see that on all sorts of boards.
So let's take it back to a 10 degrees C rise, a one, a one inch thick, a 25 millimeter wide trace, which is like, you know, quite decent, you know, probably the biggest one that you want to uh, run on a board, for example, you know, 35 amps, yeah. Nah, nah, you gotta look for at least, I'd be using double-sided. And then you gotta ask yourself, well, do I want a via stitch uh, down between the two layers? So you stitch them together. It doesn't really help in the resistance uh, side of things, but it helps with, you got extra copper there. It does help a little bit with the thermal dissipation and stuff like that. Um, so you might want to, uh, you know, you might want to via stitch along there just as a matter of course. But you don't want to via stitch until the cows come home because that just takes away from uh, like your surface area of your uh, copper effectively so uh, like yeah not really just run two thick traces top and bottom probably you know an extra internal uh, plane to be sure yeah you could get away with this uh 70 80 amps you could get away with this on a double-sided uh, board but yeah um, you're gonna have to use a uh, thick um copper unfortunately because if you use your standard one ounce um stuff you know and like 12 amps do uh, double it <laughs> even use four layers you're still not going to get enough Really, so yeah, you're gonna wanna be using, um, you specify that thicker copper from the manufacturer. And then if you really need like a compact design and you don't like have layout room on your board, uh, you might consider like a bus bar approach. Um, I found one example here. You can see that this board uses these physical bus bars, which won't run right across the board like this and of course you can get you know you can make those thick as right and uh but you know you have to get those like custom manufactured and you'd have to go to a company that manufactures uh those so you know a specialist uh manufacturer that uh makes those but yeah bus bars um they're you know quite common on like really dense um you know highly uh populated boards so it's definitely worth uh considering something like that like this one here's got like three um, ones in this particular case, it's carrying uh, power to like all all the devices across uh, the board like this. But you know, you can get one, just one uh, specific one that will. Um, you can actually like you know screw it down. You can even make it uh, yourself. You know, you can get a bit of like alloy rod and then like screw it down into like a uh, like a threaded um, insert into your board or something like that. You know, actually, in a lot of the teardowns I've done, uh, I think a recent one with the key sight. Um, high current power supply, I'll try and include a uh, photo of that here and they use like big bus bars to take the current over and stuff like that. So, you know, when you start talking, you know, 70, 80 amps, something like that. So you can do it on your uh, PCB, but then um, once you get, like if you go to four ounce copper here and you only need it for that one trace, for example, then you're like, you're wasting all that copper on the rest of your board and they'll charge you a lot more because you got they got to etch all the more <laughs> copper off. And then uh, the thicker copper also limits, it increases your uh, trace space on your board. So you can't do like your fourth hour, fourth hour, or you might not be able to do, say, your fourth hour, fourth hour traces on there. You're really thin uh, traces on your uh, board anymore with that four ounce copper. You might have to put those on another layer, which is your one ounce copper or half ounce copper, and then dedicate your four ounce layer to all your power and for this, um, you know, big you know, current uh, traces that you actually need. But yeah, um, but yeah, bus bar-y um, things are also a very often used option, but you know, it's a custom part, it's another bill of materials part, it's, you know, it's everything else, but 
that might be a better trade-off. That might actually work out cheaper than the PCB, especially if you've got like a large bore. You don't want to waste like, you know, a big four-ounce board like this and you only need one little trace like that. You wouldn't do it on the board. You'd, you'd design your custom little uh, bus bar there. Yeah, no worries. But there's several ways you can actually do that with threaded metal inserts and, you know, just screw down a little aluminium block and then screw it in and uh, 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 tighten it up and Bob's your uncle. And a little trick if you didn't want to get a custom bus bar manufactured, no worries. You wouldn't be the first person to run just a giant uh, wire link across there. Just get a nice thick ass gauge wire and just you cut it to length and solder it on at the production stage. And, you know, unless you build in a million widgets, um, then that's a perfectly acceptable solution, especially if you've only got like one trace or one or two traces that, that you need to do. Just get your regular one ounce or half ounce copper board or whatever, then just put on a big thick as trace and then just bypass your PCB entirely. No worries. And the good part about that is you could have like a, this is not a dense layout, but you could have a really dense layout and then you could like snake it around components and you can just, you know, squeeze that wire in anywhere. No worries. And you can carry like 80 amps on that thick as wire. Not a problem. And you'll see that uh, selecting DC here just removes uh, your skin effect thing down here. It has no difference to do with the uh, amps down here. Now, if we actually go up into the program options here, we can actually change the IPC standard. So we can use the old standard, okay? obsolete for amperage and so they claim a lot of people uh, swear by the triple two one all the way now this 2152 rubbish um right so let's just take right a one inch uh trace with one ounce uh copper here right the 12.67 amps and let's actually uh change that and see how much difference that actually makes the old triple two one it's gone up a lot Look, it's gone from 12 amps to 25 amps okay just uh, just between switching between the old and the new standard, okay? So obviously the new standard much more conservative. And then we can do that, add little modifiers here, but that's just, uh, 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 you know, tweaking around the edges, right? So, but yeah, there's massive. So if we actually choose the old standard here um, and we choose our four ounce, ounce copper, we practically get to our 70 amps, you know? So mm, maybe, right, for our 10 degree C temperature rise, which one do you actually believe? There's a reason that they, you know, people thought that the triple two one wasn't adequate because it was based on the old characteristic curves. And, you know, like, you know, back from, I don't know, the 60s or something, whenever they measured somebody, I don't know um, who measured it. If you know who, leave it in the comments down below. But um, yeah, see, it makes it, it makes a huge difference. Massive difference. So your mileage may vary. Anyway, if we remove the modifiers here, then we can actually solve for conductor width here okay so we can actually go in here and we can do our 80 amps like this right and then it needs well, <laughs> three inches three inches okay <laughs> yeah good luck well you can get one and a half inches on each layer <laughs> maybe or if you use like a four layer board or something you can use four layers so you can get away with it on the pcb you can get away with it but that's four ounce copper right you use the one ounce copper <laughs> 12 inches anyone <laughs> That's what she said. And if you're wondering about this etch factor here, it basically makes no difference whatsoever. It's just the, when you put it in your etch away, the copper, the copper just doesn't etch square like that. It etches, you know, who knows how much etching. You get over etching and you get breaks in your traces. That's why you can't have a, you know, you have a minimum trace width. Uh, you know, it might be, you know, six thou, four thou, something like that, or 
0.1 millimetres for you metric fanboys. And you can't make traces small than that because the manufacturer can't guarantee that their etching process is not going to overetch the copper and break the traces. So even though they electrically test the boards, they don't want to over test them and like and scrap a whole lot of boards and stuff like that. That just costs them money or they'll pass it on to you. Um, so yeah, etch factor. Um, it, it makes like when you're talking about really fat traces like this, yeah, it doesn't matter. But when we're in the older standard, the IPC 221, you can see that basically if you choose the internal and external layer, it makes a heck of a difference. It's dark, like, as I said, the external layer can carry a lot more current, four amps here. So in practice, um, that's why, you know, the older standard, the 221, you had to sort of like, everyone knew that the external layers, like yeah, they could handle more current than the internal layers due to the insulation and the heating and everything else, right? So obviously the more, the newer standard is more conservative and and as, as you saw, it, make, it makes it should make no difference to that, and we can actually swap that back, right? So let's uh, 2152, swap it back, and you'll see that the internal-external layout makes no difference to the maximum conductor current. They've taken that into account with their conservative formula, however it works out. So, um, yeah, meh. So I hope that's uh, answered the question somewhat and given people at home uh, food for thought. And you can, as always, you can really go down the rabbit hole on this thing. And if you go, like, there's been lots of controversy over the years about the IPC standards for current carrying capacity and based on the old curve, characteristic curves and stuff like that. And people want, you know, there's multiple camps out there of which one's the best one and all sorts of, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you know, nerds will fight about this sort of stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's an interesting topic, current handling uh, capacity. You know? Basically, yeah, the, the two rules are how thick's your copper, how wide's your copper, and what sort of temperature rise um, you're willing above ambient. And imagine if it's like a, you know, automotive thing and your ambient temperature's gone up to 70 degrees or whatever, and the, your temperature rises above that, and you thought, oh, yeah, you know, 50 degrees C temperature rise, yeah, no worries. And if you just went, oh, I can do 100 degrees temperature rise, the PCB can handle 100 degrees, can't it? Get a little bit warm, you can get a bit brown looking after a few years, but, you know, she'll be right. Look at this, 116 amps. Whoa, it's turned red. Why is it turned red? I think it just, yeah, it literally got too hot there. Like it's, it's hundred, it's like 170 degrees. <laughs> You'd take it down to 20 degrees ambient and you know, 116 amps. There you go. Anyway, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna need that uh, thick as copper, I'm afraid. Anyway, if you enjoyed uh, that video, if you like me answering these sorts of uh, questions, even though I waffled on a bit, um, give it a big thumbs up. And as always, thoughts and comments down below. Catch you next time. Hello.